what? Stepping out. Yeah. So we're in this series called Stepping Out. Anybody know what book we're in? <laughs> yes, the Bible. We are in that book. What? Huh? Exodus. Nice, nice, nice. Anybody want to kind of give us a, a recap of uh, where we're at in Exodus, what all has happened over these past couple of weeks? They crossed the sea. That happened. Good. Red Sea. Egyptians get into the, the water crashes. It's pretty awesome. Cool. What else? They ate quail. They did eat quail. What else did they eat? What else? Bread. What was it called? Manna. Nice. Man, y'all are awesome. Yes, they were complaining. We talked about that, man. You don't want to complain through what God is doing in our life. It is super, super important. And so now, tonight, we're going to go over something. If you have been in church, you probably have never heard this before. It's a really uh, old story in Exodus that you guys probably are way unfamiliar with. It's in Exodus 20, um, and it's uh, uh, these things called the Ten Commandments. I don't know if never heard of them. How many people have legit never heard the Ten Commandments before or heard what, what, what all the Ten Commandments is about? No shame, just curious. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get you. <laughs> I get you. I get you. I don't know if I would get my theology from anime, but that's, yeah, that's it's part of, it's, it's fine. That's why we do what we do. Okay, um, so, so we know the Ten Commandments um, from church if you are in church, and if you're not, no shame again, but, but we know kind of the essence of them, even if it comes from anime, right? We know the essence of what the Ten Commandments are. It's do this, don't do this, do this, love me, love him, love these people, don't, you know, all that stuff. It's a lot of rules, right? A lot of times we look at it and we're like, well, okay, I know the Ten Commandments. But I, I think a lot of times we don't know why they were given. Why were they given? Okay, think of this. I'm going to start off with a story that's really embarrassing. But think of this. You guys have parents or guardians or grandparents or people that you're with, right? Yeah? And a lot of times, they make rules, don't they? They make a lot of rules. How many people have a lot of rules at home? Lots of rules. Yeah? Boom. That's a good rule. But parents create rules, right? And they create rules, and they place importance on these things called values. So they have rules, but it really comes out of their values. What do your parents value? But then they have rules, they have values, but then comes a kind of a bigger word, implementation. How do you implement the rules? How do you enforce the rules, right? A lot of you are like, please, I get rules enforced on me like every weekend because I'm in trouble and I get grounded all the time. <laughs> so every, this back row right here is like, yep, that's me. It's, it's all good. Still love you guys. But see, here's the reason why these values create rules and your parents implement the rules. Because if you break a rule, if you turn out to to fall short, it's not so much on you, right? Because you guys are 12, 13, 14, 15, 18, 19, right? 
I'm, I'm just coming up, you know, on the, on the scale, right? Like you guys are still, shh, like you guys are still young. So if you're young, you're bound to make mistakes. So who does it really reflect on when you don't follow rules? Who said it? Boom. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. If you break rules, if you don't follow rules, it really reflects on your parents more than it even does yourself. So be nice to your parents because their reputation's on the line. No, I'm kidding. Um, I don't know if I've shared this story. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. It's an embarrassing one, but uh, in high school, freshman year, first semester of my freshman year, uh, I got suspended. The gasp that came out of you, like, yes, your youth pastor got suspended from high school. It was for a whole day and a half, okay? Chill out. <laughs> it's true, right? No, no, no. So check this out. So, so I got caught up in some drama. Uh, it was about a teacher. The teacher came in was like, hey, really don't like this. So they suspended me. I, I got questioned by the principal and all this stuff. And I'm like, so... You guys have, like, in-house suspension, you know, like where you're suspended, but you're still at school. You still go to school, that kind of – maybe you have that program or whatever. So I'm, like, sitting there, and I'm, like, okay, uh, how many days of in-house suspension do I get? Like, what, how bad is this really going to be? And the principal laughed. He, like, sat back in his chair. He goes, huh, you're going home. It's like, what? It's 11 o'clock. <laughs> why am I going home? He's like, dude, you're suspended. I was like, oh, great, awesome. Do you know why it was great and awesome? Because my mom's a teacher. <laughs> and my dad is a maintenance uh, person. He, he does maintenance at the school system. <laughs> yeah. So guess what? So here's the thing. Not only did I get suspended, but it was so bad that I got suspended to a hearing at the Board of Education. It was that bad. Yeah. It, hold on. We're not going into that because it was crazy. I, I was, we're not going into it. Hey, shh. No, 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 no. If you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna know, you can ask after. We'll talk about it after. But check this out. So my mom is a teacher. She wasn't at my high school. She wasn't a high school teacher. She was a kindergarten teacher, but she still was in the same school district that I was at school. My dad, however, he worked maintenance, and the maintenance headquarters, the HQ, the offices were at the Board of Education. So I got suspended to a hearing at the Board of Education where my dad worked. So when I got suspended and they're walking me through to go have this hearing to go see if like I was gonna get kicked out of the school system, my dad's like, hey, Bob, hey, Joe, how you doing? Like he's like talking to his friends because these are all the people who work here. And they're like, oh, is Josh getting an award? Like we know you and Melissa are awesome. And he's like, no, no, he's not. He's grabbing me by the ear the whole time. And he's, I'm kidding. He didn't do that. But it was, it, this is the clearest depiction that I have of what it's like to have a failure, but it's not really even reflecting on me because I don't really feel that awkward. I don't know these people. I don't know who's here, but my dad has parented me, has fathered me, has been there for me, and here he is with his son who's at his place of work, and it really reflected poorly on him and my mom. You see, God 
does the same thing with the Ten Commandments. Each one of the laws that he places is set for a reason. And if there's any failing of these Ten Commandments, it's not necessarily so much on God's people as much as it is a reflection on God. Raises the stakes a little bit, doesn't it? Let's, um, let's go ahead so um, you guys kind of recapped it for me. Uh, Israelites leave Egypt, Red Sea parts. It's pretty awesome, really cool. And uh, then God pr- continues to provide for the Israelites. Finally, they get to a place called Mount Sinai. Took them two months to get there. And this is where God is going to really change the game for, ever, well, for at least the, old, the rest of the Old Testament. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus 20. If you don't, it's going to be on the, what does uh, Tristan call it, the screen Bible? Sky Bible. There it is. Yep, shout out to Tristan Friedman, Sky Bible. So check this out. We're only going to read the first couple of verses here because there's already something important. Verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 1, it says, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. There's already something here that we can see just in this. And it's used in the context of the story that we already know. So we know God delivered them from the, uh, from the Egyptians. We know that God provided for them. So God starts off before he even says anything regarding like the Ten Commandments. He says, I'm the Lord your God. He establishes this, this, this thing of being a deliverer. Being uh, uh, somebody who delivered his people. So already... Set up here, we have this first point in just two verses. God delivers his people in the story. We'll get into what he does for us, but in this context, he delivered the Israelites through the law. This was how the Israelites were going to be saved and recognized and set apart. You sit up, my man. You sit up. Thanks. You see... God sets up his identity. He says, I'm the Lord, your God, who delivered you from Egypt, delivered you from Egypt. He's already setting up in this spot that whatever is going to be, whatever I'm saying after this, if you break it, it's, it's on me. So he's saying, if you mess these up, what I'm about to tell you, I'm going to take it personally. Please don't mess up. Because I delivered you out of Egypt, and I want you to know that I'm God, and whatever I have is going to be good for you. In just these first two verses, we see God make himself personal in the workings that he has so that he can have genuine relationship with his people that he loves. That's pretty cool. I don't know about you. You think about God, there's a lot of words to describe God. A lot of words. A lot of words. Savior, glorious, mighty, love, God is love, right? Like, so many describing words. But he goes out of his way to say, I'm the Lord your God, the deliverer. What's cool about these first two verses, before we even get into the Old Old Testament Ten Commandments, before we even get in there, 
God wants to make himself personal to us. God wants to make himself personal to his people. He could have said, I am Yahweh and I am this and that and this. But he said, I want to take the things that you've experienced. I want to take the things that you have seen me do. You've seen me split the seas. You've seen me provide for you. You've seen all of this stuff. I'm your deliverer. I think that it's pretty cool to already see that this was going to be how he delivered his people. He had already delivered his people before this covenant, before the, uh, the, the Ten Commandments. So let me get that straight first off. So I'm not theologically like crazy. But God had already provided for his people and was already delivering them. Then he establishes this. Then this is the thing that is used to deliver the people afterwards. Does this make sense? Following me? It's like, um, it's, it's like your parents again. Right? Uh, newsflash. Your mom and dad have names. <laughs> I don't know if... <laughs> hey, hey, I will say this though. Do not, do not call them by those names. Don't do that. That never works. That never works. Most of the time, just being really raw and transparent and honest, most of the time, it's because I was out of toilet paper. Mom! Mom! Please help me because I don't have toilet paper right now and Please help me. Can you just, please, just give me some toilet paper, please. And she just would turn off her ears for some reason, so I'm screaming in the bathroom, Mom, please! And finally I would go, Melissa! Do not do that. Do not do that. That is not, that is not what we do. Okay, so let me just tell you. Your parents, shh, shh, shh. So, even, even though in that, like, my mom, she's a teacher. Any of your parents, teachers, maybe homeschooled teachers or that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yay. But, like, my mom is a teacher, a public school teacher. So her kids call her Miss Seton. I do not call her Miss Seton. I call her mom. Family, they call her Aunt Melissa. My cousins call her that. Her friends call her Melissa. Like, she has a bunch of different names. You guys might have a bunch of different names. Are you guys aunts and uncles in here? Yeah. Yeah. Aunts, uncles, sisters, brothers. You have a bunch of different titles. But the cool thing about God is he wants to choose the titles that's going to be most personal to us. Because, yes, your mom is has a name. My mom is Melissa, but I don't know my mom as Melissa. I know her as mom. I know my dad is Terry, not, or no, my dad is dad, not Terry. <laughs> Hold on. Let me slip this. <laughs> I know my dad is dad. I don't know him as Terry. We're not, we're not close. We're not, we're not, we're not close in that sense. Man, I'm really fumbling over my words here. <laughs> we're not I'm good. Thank you. Hey, so I, listen, I think it's really cool that God uses his, his personal names for what he's done in our lives so that he can identify himself to make him close to us. I think that that's really, really awesome. Let's go ahead and let's keep reading 
uh, in um, verse 3 all the way to 6. This is just going to cover a couple of the, of, the, uh, of the commandments. Verse 3 says, You shall have no gods before me, and you shall not make an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So the first couple of commandments that we have here, don't have any gods before me. Second one, don't make any idols. You see, these idols don't, don't have idols, right? He goes on to give other commandments like don't murder and don't kill and don't covet and don't steal and don't lie and don't do, right? You know some of those. You can follow it and read all the way down. We're not going to read all of them. But just in this little passage with these first couple, we can see that God's law is based in relationship. Everything that God did was based in, in, in for relationship. Everything he did. Idolatry was so big in the culture there, right? The Middle Eastern culture in that time and even some places still today worship multiple gods. A lot of them worship 100 gods, 200 gods. Some of them have three or four. Some of them have two, like, See, back in that culture, it was commonplace to have a sun god, a fire god, a water god, a rain god, a, you know, just gods for everything. And collectively, collectively, these gods would work together. Now, I'm speaking lowercase g. These are not God, okay? Lowercase g, not the big G. But see, that's why it was so important to God to say, don't have any idols before me. Please don't do this. I don't want you to fall in and be like everybody else. Why did he care? Because it was the relationship that he wanted to have with his people. He wanted to have a relationship. He wanted to be a part. He, he wanted to be a part of their lives. He wanted close proximity to his people. He says he's a jealous God. Say, say this with me. Say, say, God is a jealous God. God says, hey, I'm jealous. Please don't do this. I want all of your attention. I want all of your worship. I, don't split me apart and, and make me just a part of a collection. Even though God didn't really have a form, right? He had the cloud and the pillar of fire and all this stuff, but even though he didn't have a, a form, he was saying, don't make one, right? Don't make a form. Don't make anything that's not there. He wanted exclusivity in his worship. 
that's it. Worship me alone. Recognize me as God alone. Don't throw me in with all of these other things. God also, this is an important thing because it's still relevant. God also doesn't excuse generations who didn't know any better. How many of us have ever used that excuse sometimes? I didn't know better. I didn't know better. You know what God says here? And I'm not saying this to scare you because we, we live under a new covenant. We'll, we're about to get into it. But what he says here is he says, uh, no, it's not on. That's not a good enough excuse. If you don't know better, like you, you need to know. I'm telling you right now so that you won't forget. Don't use that excuse. He says, I'm going to remember it for the third and the fourth generations. But what does he say right after it? What does he say after he says he would punish and curse and, 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 and show hatred towards these people? Afterwards, he says, those who love me will be loved for thousands of generations. You see, disobedience with God lasts for a season. The sting lasts for a season. But if we can submit ourselves and fall in relationship with him, he's going to love us forever. He already loves us. Don't get me wrong when I say that. But if you are resting in God and just resting in who he is, he is going to have your back. He's going to be a great father to you. You see, God here is self-aware. He knows he's the real deal. He knows who he is. And that's why he's so clear about not having idols. Don't put anybody in front of me because nobody's in front of me. But that's why in every single one of these commandments, if you go through and you read them, and I would encourage you to go back and read through all of them. But in every single form, in every single law, in every single commandment that's there, there's some form of idolatry in every single one. You're like, what do you mean? Well, it says don't covet, right? Don't, don't wish for somebody else's stuff. When you covet, when you wish for somebody else's stuff, when you get jealous about that stuff, guess what you're saying? What I want is more important than what God is wanting for me. I'm willing to break this rule because what I am wanting is important. Hey, guess what? You're the idol in this situation. That's not good. Okay? So that's why he's so clear about it. It's like, um, it's like this. Where are my single people at? Yeah. Colton making noise. Okay, check this out. I'm not endorsing, listen, I'm not in, like endorsing like go, go be crazy or anything like that. But I am saying this. I am saying this. Don't get caught up in your relationships, right? Don't do that. Because guess what? You might find yourself in a situation where you're single and you're like, listen, this, this guy or this girl is like, that we should be together. <laughs> like, M- Macy and I, we should, be de- we should be together. Right? So, like, for example, with Macy and I, if I'm like, listen, we should, we should totally be together. Like, we should, we should do this. Right? And I know without a shadow of a doubt that I am the best suited man for her, and she's going to be the best woman for me, 
but I try too hard. Ladies can probably attest to this a little more. You try too hard a little bit. It doesn't come off quite right, does it, ladies? Even, guys, even if you think, like, hey, man, she's, listen, she's the one. Like, we are perfect together. She likes football. I like football. Like, let's go out. Like, we're going on dates. We're, we're making this thing happen. Even if you think, like, oh, man, dude, she's perfect and I'm perfect for her. Like, it's still nice to be chosen, isn't it? Imagine what it would be like if you guys had arranged marriages. No. No. Hey, listen. Your parents are smart people, a lot of them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They're all awesome, okay? I'm kidding. Your parents are smart. They'll pick somebody great for you. That's fine. It'll probably work out, too. It'll be good. But it's nice to be chosen, isn't it? The relationship might be, like, super compatible, right? Like, eHarmony certified. Match.com certified. Might have all the boxes ticked on the Christian tingle, Christian mingle. Right? All the boxes are ticked. But it's nice to be chosen, isn't it? I know I'm kind of going crazy. But check this out. That's what God is, that's what God is saying. Listen, I know I'm perfect for you. I know that I can give you everything that you want. I know that the hunger for something more, the, the desire to seek something greater than yourself, I know that I can fulfill all of that. But I'm still going to be chosen. I'm still going to wait. I'm going to let you have your choices. The last thing here. It says, uh, let's go ahead and just go to this real quick. I'm going to read it from the screen. Go ahead. Is it there? Okay, cool. So this is what it says. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning, this is when God arrives. It says, when they saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we'll listen but do not have God speak for us or speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will, keep, will be with you to keep you from sinning. And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Here's the cool thing about how this ties in with the rest of the Bible, the whole thing, the whole shebang. God knew already from Exodus 20 that there had to be a Messiah. Because coming down in thunder and lightning and darkness and all this stuff and scaring everybody was not going to be the way that the relationship was, stain, uh, was sustained. The Israelites had an emotional fear when God showed up. How could you not? <laughs> like everything's on fire and everything's crazy and there's darkness and there's lightning and there's scary stuff. But Moses tries to correct them and move them to have a godly fear. It would serve as the motivation against sin and the judgment that would bring, that would bring upon them, that would come upon them. 
He showed his power and his might, and as cool as that is, it's very frightening. God is so holy and so powerful and so awesome that yes, he wants to have a relationship with us, but we can't like be in the room with him like that. So he had to send a mediator. He had to send a Messiah, somebody who could be in between us so that we could have relationship with him again. See, we need Jesus so that we don't have to live in the same fear that the Israelites did when God shows up. We can have God show up in our lives and be excited about it because of Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 5, I'm not going to read it, but he says, I'm not here to abolish the law and to separate it. I'm here to fulfill it. As great as God revealing himself to the Israelites was, there was something coming that would be much grander. You see, Jesus and the law are interwoven together. And he's made it possible to have a relationship with the Father. So if the worship team would come up, singers and whatnot. As we kind of close the service, we're going to close with one more song. So give you guys a chance to respond. But if you guys would just bow your heads and close your eyes as we wrap up. You see, the Ten Commandments are more than just a set of rules. God desired to be with us. He desired to be with his people. He wanted a relationship so much so that he sent Jesus to live a sinless life, die on a cross for our sins, and be raised three days later, still alive, so that we could have a living God. We could have a relationship with him. Now with Jesus being our mediator, we get to have that relationship. Tonight, tonight if you would say, listen, I don't even know, like, I don't even know anything about God. I don't know anything, but if God would come down to people with fire and, and thunder and lightning and darkness and he knew that that would scare people like me. If you're saying, man, if God would do that and send his son to die for me, then I want to be a part of that. If you tonight would say, man, I might not know everything, but I know that I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know more about the Father. I want to know more about God. I want to know more if you tonight would just make a commitment and say, man, I want to know more about him and I want to surrender my life over to a God like that. If you would just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Tonight, if you would say, listen, I, I don't really uh, trust God or uh, my relationship has been really far from him. And let me tell you, he loved you so much that he gave the Israelites a law that would be just perpetuated throughout the Old Testament and fulfilled through Jesus. He loved you that much. He loves us that much. That's awesome. He wants to have a relationship with you. If you feel yourself saying, and I need to get that relationship back, if you would just raise your hand. Say, man, I want that relationship back with Jesus. I want to be able to have that relationship again. 
Thank you. Hey, if you raise your hand for either one of these, man, please find a leader after service, man. We'd love to talk to you, get your name, get your information, get you a Bible, something to really start you up. But Father, we come to you praying now, <laughs> Father, that you would just you would just allow us to know that the Ten Commandments aren't a set of rules. They're not a set of, of of guidelines to follow, they're, they're, they're not just that. Father, it's because of the relationship that you wanted with us that we could have something like this to live our lives by, to look at and study and know and hold close to our hearts. Father, if, if there's anyone here who wants that relationship again, I pray that in these next few moments they would just begin to rekindle that, Lord, that you would have, you would have uh, just a, a move over them. Father, I thank you for each and every student here. I thank you for your word. I thank you that everything ties together from Genesis to Exodus to Leviticus and all the way through. It all ties together into this amazing story. Father, let us not discount any of it. Lord, I pray that you would just be with each and every one of these students. Lord, I pray that this next few, these next few moments would just be impactful in their lives, in their hearts. Father, I pray that they would just reserve it for you, reserve this time for you. And they would look to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, we're gonna go...